This episode of the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash gentsgolflaw to help produce the show. You are listening to the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way Well, I still got time to save my reputation. everybody welcome to the gentleman's golf law podcast the podcast for the rebel and the renaissance man i'm your host jordan crowder and co-hosting with me as per usual is the don donovan fowler how you doing oh yeah uh doing pretty well man how are you doing i'm doing all right uh for our listeners that are listening on the podcast and uh wondering why i sound a little muffled it's because i am wearing the new Gentleman's Golf Law um, face mask, uh, face covering, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's got a picture of a skeleton with a mustache smoking a pipe on it. He's the new, uh, he's a new gent scoff male model. Yeah, um, I'm going to take it off now so I could sound better here. But, um, yeah, if you want to order one of these, go over to gentlemanscofflaw.com on our sh- – click the shop link. Ah, I'm trying to get it off my ear here They're under my headphone. It was, like, double locked down. Um, <laughs> it's like a leech. Yeah. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, not everybody has to wear these right now, but some places require them by law. And uh, for those of you that uh, want to wear them and uh, – you know, need to wear one. Why not wear one that has a picture of a scoff law on it? All right, that's my pitch for today. <laughs> How you been, man? I'm uh, doing well, man. Just uh, <laughs> if anybody can tell from the status of my bedroom, it's uh, my my life is in a bit of a disarray this week. <laughs> Everything sort of fell in the same week. It was uh, midterms, taxes, and uh, oh, just everything else but papers um but paperwork but yeah life's good man life's good weather's cooling down so that's always a good thing yeah yeah i wish it would cool down here i think it's going to cool down uh and over the weekend but we had like a spike in some hot weather again uh over here in los Uh, angeles uh which we don't get a lot of uh seasons here but we do get a little bit of fall a little Um, bit of fall last time i don't remember if last year we had some you know we had some 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 fall tree changes in glendale and stuff which was kind of rare for the fall i don't know why that was it wasn't like a typical fall but um yeah the only time i ever could distinguish fall was long beach in california i don't know why maybe closer to the ocean maybe um later on on the show we're gonna have isaac saul the founder writer over at tangle news we're gonna talk to him about his new website and newsletter not new i guess it's over a year old um but some of the really cool stuff he's doing over there with uh with that uh news website um, we got to start off a little bit of housekeeping. Almost skipped over that. What do you got there, Donovan? 
How dare you? You were How slacking on the job. You? you fell asleep at the wheel, and now we're all going to die. It was um, the mask thing. It threw me off, just like it's throwing everybody <laughs> yeah. off these days. <laughs> hey, let's not get political with this, please. Um, <laughs> please, sir. No, um, I am uh, – well, I've got in my pipe, I've got the uh, the virgin cherry, which oh, nice. is the mainstay these days, although I'm running out, so I may have to go down to the uh, – the the outlaw cigar lounge and and grab some uh, uh -oh. some of their stuff, but uh, yeah, so that's always good. And then I got my uh, four roses right nice. here, you know, bringing in the weekend with uh, some uh, good old four roses. Well, I've I've got my Stanwell brushed billiard pipe. Um, in it, I have got some Aaron Gobra Irish whiskey uh, tobacco. Um, I, I can get uh, behind that. It's actually, I haven't opened this up in a while, and I got a whiff of it, and it aged really well. It's got a really, like, you could tell the Virginias in it have, like, aged oh, a little nice. bit. It's got that kind of citrusy, kind of sweet smell to it. That It's already an aromatic, but it doesn't smell like it used to. Uh, so let me get that lit. Here's a question while you're lighting your pipe. Um, I totally forgot, because I, I, I switched over cigars for a good long while, and now I'm back to, you know, well, I'm back to intermittently doing the pipe, you know when I'm reading cases and stuff at night, I'll light up the pipe and relax. But, uh, is it pack it like a man, pack it like a lady, pack it like a baby, or is it the other way around? It's the other way around. Oh, okay. I've been because you want your, the, the last, the top to be the tightest point, but you want the airflow uh, underneath it. Kind of like building a fire a little bit. No, I feel like an idiot. I'm an Eagle Scout. And I didn't even <laughs> consider the science of the whole thing. That's all right. No, that makes, that actually makes sense. I, I was, because for a long time I was doing the, uh, you know, pack it tight at the bottom. And I think it wasn't going terribly, but well, I, I definitely could see how this is. Truth is, everybody has their own uh, their own kind of way true. of doing it. Like he kind of just whatever works for you, you know. But speaking of which, one of the, the one of the deans at my uh, law school is a. Uh, oh, you got some uh, Johnny Walker going. <laughs> to, to, to quote to quote a beautiful Paul Bettany from Beautiful Mind. Officer, I saw the man who hit me. His name was Johnny Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I kind of half get that joke. It must be a British thing. Anyways, <laughs> Johnny Walker is always good. Uh, the, uh, my Dean, the Dean at uh, law school, uh, is a pipe smoker and he will break oh. out. We've, we've been on zoom with him a couple of times. He'll just break out his pipe and just start, you know, just light it up and, and let the, the smoke clouds roll. So I'm looking forward to my meeting with him. Cause I'm going to ask him about yeah. all things. Do you do you do a zoom meeting with him? Cause you should just have your pipe yeah. on hand. Yeah, I know. I think I will. If I can, if I can do it out on my patio, I probably will do that. Um, but the other thing I was going to ask, uh, how was that? Uh, how was the uh, Evan Williams seventeen? Is it seventeen eighty six? I don't have it in front of me, but it's one of those. <laughs> it's a number. Yeah, like it's it's basically the gentleman jack of Evan Williams, right? Yeah, it's actually really yeah. good, and it's it's pairs really good with cigars. Uh, Lacey got me a good cigar for my birthday uh, that it went well with, and it's just like it's funny. It was just like the total wine and more uh, Maduro cigar, okay, uh, which is like hey, it's made by another company. I forget. It's kind of like you know, like Costco, like their Kirkland's is made by yeah. like whatever. 
Um, well, yeah, usually like these cigar shops and places like that, they always have the brand, their own brand, but it's it's coming from the same factories yeah. that like Punch and a lot of other places are yeah. doing. Speaking of uh, cigars, I am representing wearing my cap of Puro Humo cigars over in uh, Glen- in Glendale, California, down by uh, the Americana. If you're ever looking for yeah. a good spot to go, that's just yeah. a free plug for them. They don't pay me anything. Uh, Jonathan they're, and I have not, many. They're not Chiefs. Oh yeah, I think we're I think we're gonna hit the same point. Yeah. Sorry, I stepped on you. But no, go ahead. They're not they're not Chiefs fans. Let's just put it no, that way. No, no, that's true. Yeah, because we've spent a few uh, few few nights over there planning some yeah. Scofflaw episodes and watching some games. Uh, yeah. But uh, well, you know, it's L.A. They're gonna they're gonna cheer for the home team. I don't know what yeah. you expected of them. Whatever. You know, I, thought, <laughs> I, I just thought they'd be interested in a team that was good. Well, but there's no accounting for uh, for taste. <laughs> no accounting for taste. Um, all right. I don't know if you saw this thing. Uh, I saw this thing going around on Instagram, uh, posted over by Men's Humor. Uh, Lady Scofflaw sent this to me. We were laughing pretty hard. I don't know if you saw this picture, Donovan. But uh, right. the caption says, that's a damn good friend. And the description, it has, well, let me describe the photo here if you're listening to the podcast. It's got a man, uh, kind of a, a, a man working out uh, with a dumbbell uh, in two different, uh, two different frames. And behind him is a friend in a silly costume. And then the caption says, this guy wears strange costumes to the gym to attract as much attention as possible because his friend is embarrassed to go to the gym. So he's using a little bit of... Negative reinforcement here. Uh, one of them, <laughs> one of uh, one of the photos he's dressed like is some sort of I don't know if it's like an Ewok or something, and then the other one he's like uh, some fancy gentleman with a is that the 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 big bad wolf or something? <laughs> I don't know, man. He's wearing a top hat with a cane <laughs> and a uh, man. That's uh, that's that that's one dedicated friend. It um, is. He. Uh, he really, I mean, what does he do? I mean, does he work out or does he just <laughs> stand know. there? Maybe he's like a weird, uh, yeah. this is like a weird fight club situation. <laughs> yeah, that's like, what it uh, looks imaginary like. friend or something. Oh man. Man, that's uh that's bizarre. I will say, <laughs> I mean, the guy's not that, that he's not morbidly obese. He's just, <laughs> you know, he's just overweight. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's got, he's got some extra, baggage let's put it that way yeah. but uh he, he just looks like a big guy if he got in there you know i don't think anybody pay any mind to him i think i think it's just his friend is just trying to screw with him and make sure that he does that he gets his workouts in um which i you know i could probably use somebody doing that uh a little like <laughs> i don't a think you fire want anybody doing that <laughs> <laughs> i think i think that would get old real yeah, fast real fast I, at least with me i i, I know that much <laughs> all right get, get out of here um I don't know if you saw this man charged with uh, slipping razor blades in pizza dough sold in Maine supermarket. Um, when did they start? Uh, <laughs> when did Domino's start hiring ISIS? <laughs> I know. Uh, it says a uh, uh, hey, Dover uh, man faces criminal charges, alleging he slipped razor blades into a pizza dough that made its way onto the shelf of a Maine supermarket. Uh, police identified the suspect as. Nicholas Mitchell, he appeared oh, during a brief remote hearing Tuesday morning in the Seventh Circuit District Court, um, where he agreed to challenge his transfer back to Maine to face charges. The customer, who police didn't name, had purchased Portland pie pizza dough and, lo- and located razor blades inside the dough. 
Um, where, oh, I see. So yeah. wait, he was like claiming that they were already in there. Yeah, that they were already in there. Oh, because okay. <laughs> at first I was like, I thought that he had, I thought he was intentionally slipping the blades in there so that people would uh, eat it. You know, yeah, like uh, like a psychopath on Halloween putting needles in the candy, um, <laughs> which apparently has a total myth. Um, that was well, yeah, total myth, but there, there there's some weird stories around it. There's, there, it's kind of like it's if it were on Snopes, it would be like that. Like this is true, but also false. Um, <laughs> well, Lisa <laughs> Morton, actually, who we're gonna have on a couple of weeks, uh, wrote oh, about yeah. the history of Halloween. We can yeah. talk with her about that. She'll tell us about the guy who actually did it, but it wasn't. It was kind of similar to this, but. Even even more horrifying this but um <laughs> dude yeah this guy well that's uh you know that's that's points for creativity i mean yeah, yeah well actually no i'm, I'm gonna say no, uh, no points I this guy's like no the zach this guy is like the zach snyder of uh of like um fake crimes like he overdid it like he overplayed his hand like mm-hmm. his, his symbolism was too uh was it was over the top but i mean yeah. razor blades all you had to do was you know, stick a couple of, um, I don't know, a little bit of broken glass should do it. <laughs> broken glass. You know? I wonder if I mean, he's where a wet shaver. Point? Where do you get fine what? razor blades like that these That's days? That's what I was going to say. I mean, I wonder if these were Gillette. I'm, I'm guessing that these were Gillette. I'm even going so far as to say that maybe this guy works for Gillette. I oh, don't, no. You know, that doesn't surprise me. That I, don't know. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's true. He does He does <laughs> have a pretty heavy shadow on there. So we, we know the razor blades weren't being used. That's um, true. Well, but then the neck is clean. I hey, don't he's know. got a clean neckline. Could yeah, be he's got using a neckline. So, I I cleaned uh, up with this before this, but I used uh, the pack of blades that Douglas from over at feedingshaving.com uh, sent to us. So, <laughs> I guess the one thing I'd say as a as a future Supreme Court justice, um, why why the razor blades? I mean, like I read I read it and I'm like what's the argument like oh somebody inserted these razor blades in at the factory where this dough is made or somebody inserted them into the store like wouldn't you be way better off doing something that was that was actually explainable like even the finger in the chili back at uh with uh wendy's was was more believable than this razor blades it's just such a it's such a like obvious yeah Stands out too much. Yeah, I feel like something that would maybe be in the environment of the, I don't know, of the of where you make pizza that get caught in there, would you have more of a chance in <laughs> accusing somebody of putting razor blades in there? Yeah, you know, I mean, you, what, what 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 are Italians into these days? That would be uh, that would be just you know the the number one thing that would fall into a a, a pizza dough. Um, let's see, what's the most stereotypical thing that we can think of with espresso? Italians? Yeah, some espresso beans. <laughs> some espresso beans. <laughs> yeah. You know. I don't know how the beans I got in the pizza, though. I, uh, it's just um, I'm making my midday espresso. <laughs> um, I can't I don't, tell if I went Swedish with that or what. But. Swedish, Jamaican. Um, <laughs> so I don't You're know if you, if you saw this a while back, probably about a month or two ago. There's a man sighted uh, wearing a jetpack flying all around uh, L.A., I um, did see this. I actually, I think he showed up again. Yeah, well, that's what that's what this article is here. Apparently, this week he showed up again, uh, spotted around uh, LAX, and they're uh, investigating it again. Who knows? Maybe he's an alien. 
Maybe he's mm. just the Rocketeer. Well, I mean, we do know that the something something's out there with all this stuff that's coming out about uh, aliens. I wouldn't be surprised, but um, but at the same time, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it is cool to a certain extent. I don't really know if I condone his behavior because <laughs> if you run into a jet, which does happen, I once. <clears throat> we should just have a segment on here called like the weird habits of Donovan Fowler. <laughs> um, last week it was looking up bald celebrities and, uh, this week it's, uh, I, everyone's razor blades and pizzas. I get, yeah, I get bored on a, uh, on a, you know, Saturday night and I start to go down the, some weird rabbit hole. And in one case it was, uh, aircraft disasters. And I read about all the aircraft disasters that have happened throughout history, which I mean, you know, I mean, it's pretty, it's a long list, but the time period is short because we've only had flight for like what, like a little over a hundred years. Yeah. Anyways, it, it does happen where like small aircraft will collide with uh, uh, larger jets and then it just totally, you know, just disaster, like just plane falls out of the sky, hits a neighborhood and kills everybody. Yeah. In this case, uh, Mr. Uh, I hope he knows what he's doing. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I hope Iron Man knows what he's doing. If we, anybody knows who this guy is and can track him down, we'd love to have him as an anonymous yeah. uh, contributor to the pod yeah. or a guest on the podcast. Uh, just have him on, ask him what's he's doing. What's he doing? It'd be uh, yeah. It'd be accidentally fun. leave the facial blur off and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, voice. <laughs> Turns out it's just Robert Downey Jr. It's like I am Iron Man. <laughs> that's yeah. That's exactly what it, it's. L.A. You never know. These eccentric I, rich guys. True. Uh, could uh, could uh, you know? What if I don't know? I feel All like billionaires. I bet you it's somebody we know. It's somebody we know out there. <laughs> it's definitely something I mean, we know. Maybe, yeah. The, the, well, well, wait. By somebody we know, do you mean like somebody we personally know, or somebody in the news? Somebody in the news. It's, it's got to be who, somebody. Who would news. be? Who would be your number one guess? I don't know. I think everybody like automatically goes to Elon Musk, but uh, yeah, I, it's true. You know, maybe. Uh, well, you know, maybe it's Keanu Reeves. That would make a lot I, of sense. That's true. That that's a that's a good guess. I, yeah. I'm going to say Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah. Yeah, Leonardo, maybe. ever since he won his Oscar, he just seems bored with life. And um, <laughs> he also, I mean, this That's is it. actually this younger girlfriend. Bit of, Next younger bit girlfriend. Of evidence, little bit of evidence here, Your Honor. He was seen on a jetpack uh, a while back. It was like in the ocean. It's like one of those hydro powered ones where like oh. it shoots up water and it sends you flying into the That's air. That's pretty awesome. So that's uh, it's entirely possible yeah, that's that just uh, one Leo of his... is you know, decided to become a man of flight. One of his weird hobbies. Um, all right. right. Um, we want to see uh, what you want us to talk about on the show. Any sort of news articles or uh, funny stories you come across during the week, go ahead and send it to us at gentlemanscofflot@gmail.com or on any of our social media outlets. Um, outlets? Are they outlets? I guess they're outlets. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I think that's what people call them. Platforms. Platforms. Maybe it's a little bit more. Uh, maybe a little bit more apt. I used the wrong word. Uh, that's why I we mean, have you're a lawyer speaking on the, to the show. guy who had, I, I had a total. I mean, last week, if anybody was listening, I had a total brain freeze in the middle of. I went. Uh, what's the name? Wendy Williams. I went full Wendy Williams, <laughs> and I was trying to find the word. You went like Danny preface, DeVito preface. on the view. That was the word. Oh yeah. Preface. 
It went, well, Danny DeVito on The View was like hammered. Right? Let's, <laughs> let's be fair. I mean, Danny DeVito is like he was plastered, man, and he's a I tiny think he had man. a stroke though during the, that interview. It looked it looked like possible. he went away for a bit. It's it's entirely possible. <laughs> but I the word that I was looking for was preface because I think we were talking about like pref like an interview, and I was like, uh, we could uh, and I could have either gone with preview or preface, but I didn't have a dictionary in front of me, and you know. Happens like Wendy Williams happens to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you could also call us at man eight one scoff. Leave us a voicemail um, or leave us an iTunes review for a chance to be featured on the show. We've been collecting some of them uh, to read in our listener voicemail or listener mail segments in the coming episodes. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Isaac Saul to talk about Tangle News. Hello, gentlemen, Scofflaws. Thanks so much for being a loyal listener of the show. And your feedback and support is really what keeps us going and means a lot to us. So sincerely, thank you again. Now, if you're a fan of the show and you want to take your support to the next level, why not support the show on Patreon? We offer all sorts of extras on there like outtakes, extended interviews, a bonus movie podcast, and behind-the-scenes content. Better yet, we have options that start as little as a dollar a month. You pay more for that at a parking meter to go in and grab a cup of coffee at Starbucks. See what I did there? If you're interested in helping support the show, please check out patreon.com slash gentscofflaw or click the support link on the website. Again, that's patreon.com slash gentscofflaw. We look forward to having you as part of our team. All right. I'm excited to have uh, this guest. Um, We've been going back and forth for a while. I'm glad to uh, have him on. And now it's kind of more perfect timing. Um, (laughs) We've got uh, with everything that's going on right now in politics and the election and 2020 and um, (laughs) Isaac Saul, the founder of Tangle News. Uh, Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me, Jordan. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, I uh, I've been reading your newsletters. I think since it came out, because a mutual friend of ours sent me uh, sent it to me, and I've been really enjoying it. And I get the emails every day. Um, I'd love to just before we get into that, I'd love to just give our listeners kind of a little bit of your story and background, and kind of where you know where you started and where you came from. Yeah, sure. So uh, I grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania which uh, typically is a bellwether for the, the national election and national political climate. It's probably one of the most divided counties politically in America, suburban PA, just outside Philadelphia. Um, so that's super critical to everything that I do in my work, um, which is basically, you know, I have a lot of friends who are on both sides of the political spectrum. Uh, so I went to the University of Pittsburgh. I was a sports journalist for a little while lived in Israel, ended up in New York working for the Huffington Post, which uh, I quickly found out made me like a liberal joke to pretty much half the country. (laughs) Um, And that also was super informative for me. Uh, And then about six years ago, I helped build a media company with the actor Ashton Kutcher um, called A Plus, which is like a positive news website. Um, so that content is sort of like solutions journalism. We, we do a lot of reporting about people who are solving big issues, stuff like climate change, things like that. Um, and I was on the politics beat there for a long time, probably about five or six years. And we got bought and we pivoted to all video and I was no longer able to write politics. So 
I had all these sources. Uh, I had a ton of experience. I had a lot of interest in the national political scene, and I didn't really have anything to do with all of it. So um, I started this newsletter, Tangle, which very simply put is basically my way of bringing together the best arguments across the political spectrum into one daily 10-minute read. So uh, you know from reading it, every newsletter is pretty much formatted with like, what's the top story of the day? What's the left saying about it? What's the right saying about it? And what's my take? And I generally try and find, you know, some common ground, but also try to be true to my own political persuasions and transparent about what my biases are and things like that. Um, so it was sort of a long winding road to get here. And uh, I've been writing the newsletter for about 13 months now, which is fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> and it's been pretty much the craziest year you could possibly start writing a political newsletter. Um, so, you know, it's it's been a wild ride. And now we're, I think, 26 days from the election today. Um, so it's, uh, it's heating up. I'm about to break 10,000 subscribers. It's huh. read in every state in America, 23, 24 countries outside the U S now. Um, I have a really strong base of paid subscribers who are supporting the work, which is awesome. Um, and basically just trying to keep up with the news cycle, man, <laughs> as the, as the next few weeks unfold. Gosh, I know it's, it's so crazy how quick it is nowadays with the, the news cycle. And I've, it's funny cause I've pretty much, especially this year, but in the last couple of years have kind of in a way disengaged with, with the news a lot of the time where it's like, there's so much to wade through and you get on Twitter and it's like literally the trending stuff is like changing every five minutes. And yeah. it's just like, it's, it's vitriol from all sides. And it's just like, it's so, it could be so, so like soul sucking and depressing uh, looking through that stuff, which is why I, I appreciate your newsletter um, because I, there's the, I don't know if a lot of people are going through this, but I don't, I just don't trust journalism these days. Like, I just like, I just know whatever article I look, look at is going to be, you know, biased, um, we, which we know is true, but like usually the headlines are designed to evoke some sort of emotion or some sort of anger or fear. And whenever I see that, like my, my bullshit meter <laughs> goes up like right away. <laughs> um, but what I like about your newsletter is, um, obviously you show what the right is saying, what the left is saying, but then you, you summarize it with your own point of view and that, and even some of it, like a lot of it, I agree with some of it. I'm like, I might not agree with that, but the fact that you do that is just, uh, just to make so much trust with the reader, at least for me to know that like, okay, like I can, I trust where this guy's coming from. I really, I appreciate that. It's like, it's, it's, it's like bringing integrity back to journalism in a way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think, I, I guess to say a couple of things about that one is, you know, I'm very transparent that yeah. on some of the big, issues in the country, like immigration, police reform, healthcare, yeah. uh, my politics tend to be center left. And, you know, I get a lot of emails from diehard Trump supporters, really far right people who are like, dude, you're my favorite lib. Like, I love you, man. Thanks for <laughs> writing this newsletter. And it's because they understand that, you know, I'm willing to engage some of their ideas. I'm willing to hear them out. I'm, I'm willing to change my position on things. If, 
I'm presented with something that, you know, changes my perspective. Uh, and I, and like most Americans, my politics are complicated. You know, I mean, mm. I'm, I'm very left on an issue like police reform. I, I fundamentally believe policing in America is broken. I believe yeah. there has to be a major overhaul of how our police interact with citizens. And that's not even a very liberal thing. I mean, a lot of libertarians feel that way. A lot of conservatives feel that way. Yeah. Uh, but you know, on like an issue like, gun control or something like that, I'm a lot closer to the center and right of a lot of my friends. And so, you know, I think a lot of Americans are like that. Their positions are mixed based on whatever the issue is. And everybody's getting bucketed now, left, right, Trumper, Biden, Bernie, socialist, whatever. And a lot of it's just crap. Um, and, and to your point about the clickbait stuff, you know, I mean, the thing that I love about Tangle and about the newsletter is you know, I've totally obliterated that incentive structure. I mean, I, from working in the industry, I can tell you one of the most important things at many news outlets is driving traffic. I mean, that's like you get hits on your website. The more views an article gets, the more traffic the ads on the article get, the more money the news publisher makes. And there's a clear incentive there. It's like get people into the article, get people to click on it. And my incentives, the only revenue stream I have, the only money I make is from my subscribers. So people pay me if they think that this content is really good and it's adding value for them. It's making it easier to understand politics. And for me, that's like, it's so much weight off my shoulders where I can just produce high quality stuff without clickbaiting people, without sensationalizing things and, you know, turning the temperature down on all the craziness out there and People are willing to pay for that. They want that because I think, you know, to, to your point, it's hard to find in the media landscape, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I haven't found many sites that are doing, I mean, there's always like, people always talk about like real clear politics, but I feel like that's like the extreme of both ends as opposed to like the more, what you're doing, which is like the more nuanced, uh, <laughs> the more nuanced approach to it. Um, but like you said, people's politics are complicated. I mean, I came from a background where, I was, I don't want, like, I I would have said far right, but that means something different than it do, today than it does nowadays. But, um, and then just over <laughs> the years, it's just like, I, I realized that at least with the, with both parties, I didn't really fit into any kind of, my beliefs didn't fit into either of them completely. And it's just, it's more complicated. Not necessarily that a lot of my opinions have changed, but I feel like the political landscape around me has changed so much, which is the weird, crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the country's changing a lot now in a way, you know, that is really, really visible even just looking at how politics are done, you know, the, the debate last night, the debate last week versus, you know, what we saw just eight years ago. I mean, the whole temperature and the framework for everything is totally different. I mean, like the, you know, they talk about the Overton window a lot and mm -hmm. it, it's been shifted in a way where I don't really know what comes next, but I do know that, you know, for a huge chunk of the country, the their political beliefs are based solely on the media they're consuming because they're just taking in content that's reinforcing whatever their views are. It doesn't matter if you're on the left and you're reading like Fox News or you're reading HuffPost and Daily Kos every day or whatever. If you're on the right and all you do is watch Sean Hannity and read Breitbart, like you're going to get fed 
yeah. a narrative that that you like and um, that reinforces whatever your reality is. And I think what I'm trying to do at Tangle is take people out of those bubbles and expose them to arguments that they're not finding. And the thing I hear most from readers is just like, oh, I like kind of understand what they're saying. You know, it it moderates a lot of people's views just by being exposed to the argument from people who can deliver it in like a thoughtful way that that's not like totally blown out of proportion over the top, you know? Yeah. Uh, and people are open-minded. I think, I think generally speaking, what I've learned from doing this is Americans are a lot more open-minded than people think. Yeah. I think so too. And like you said, I think the, some of the problem with the, the kind of vacuum, <laughs> the vacuum chamber or whatever, <laughs> I never get that expression right. The echo chamber. Yeah. yeah. Is the echo. Yeah. It's like, that's like, uh, was it rocket surgery? Um, but the, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, the social media thing. And I've slowly kind of, I have to be on it for some of the work I do to promote stuff and things, but like, I dread it so much getting on there. Cause it's just like, and, and someone like me, who's like a, a kind of an investigative personality that likes to like, which is the reason why I love your newsletter, but that likes to just kind of explore a lot of different ideas and see what different people are saying or stuff. Like I'll watch some things on YouTube and then like suddenly all my recommendations are like from one, <laughs> one side that like, I don't necessarily agree with, but then I'm not seeing anything else. And so like, sometimes I'll just like go and click some other things so that I <laughs> get a variety in my newsfeed. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I mean, that is so critical to a lot of what's broken about the, that ecosystem. It's just, um, you know, I watched that movie Social Dilemma a couple weekends ago. Yeah, great movie. Um, which, yeah, great film. And, you know, I think some of the stuff about it, it, for me, it leaned a little bit heavy on like, oh, these algorithms and like the machines out of control. And it's like, no, it's not the fucking machine. It's like the guys built this to be this way. The whole point is to yeah. get people to click more, get people to stay on this page more. And it's like that, you know, humans can change this. We can fix this. Like the guys who built it can change it and yeah. the consumers can change it by not rewarding like all the clickbait yeah. bullshit, uh, which is like, you know, really central to a lot of what the problems are, I think right now. Yeah. Well, I, I want to know, like, for something that is so well-researched and you have to do it every day, um, how do you wade through all of that stuff? I mean, you must have to do a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of work. Uh, I mean, the first thing is, like, I wake up at 5 in the morning every day. Um, and, I, I mean, the, be, because I recognize that some of my politics – you know, broadly speaking, are, are sort of center left. I, you know, the first thing I open up in the morning is the Wall Street Journal. Like I'm very intentional about getting, you know, my initial perspective on what's important about the day from a more conservative leaning newspaper, because I want to, I want to understand like what's happening outside some of that echo chamber that I've created for myself. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll read the New York Times, the Washington Post, I'll go through their front pages. And I'll just be like, what's, you know, I'll look for two stories that are crucial to what the, you know, I guess shared across all three pages, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and if I see that, I'm like, all right, there are a couple of stories like this that are clearly like the stories people are talking about. And then it's sort of stepping out of those traditional papers 
into the Fox News, into the HuffPost, into you know Vox or National Review, and going into the places that are more openly leaning left or right, um, and just kind of like pluck out what the big thing everybody's talking about is. And once I do that, that's sort of like the work. Like I'm, you know, hopefully I have that done by six in the morning. Uh, or maybe even the night before, if a big story breaks, you know, in the middle of, you know, like if a story broke right now, I'd know what tomorrow's newsletter was going to be about. Yeah. Um, and then it's just like, I mean, it's reading 25, 30 opinion pieces from across the spectrum and news stories, trying to understand how people are formulating their arguments, maybe listen to a podcast or something like that. And every time I see a sentence or a paragraph that like really compels me, I'm copying and pasting that, putting in a Word document and just sort of like fleshing it out. And I, yeah, I mean, the, the process <laughs> takes a while. It can be super draining. I always go on Twitter last because that's where like the worst arguments are. But it's good to know, you know, how people are reacting to it on social because that's really important. Um, and then the last thing I do before I send the newsletter out is I write my take. I write, you know, after having consumed everything, and reading all the different arguments, I try and formulate like, do I just agree with one person or one side here? Do I have some middle ground I want to carve out for myself? Or do I have like a totally different take on this that I'm not seeing anybody saying that I'm going to offer just like my personal perspective? Um, and it's pretty split between like how that happens usually. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, though. I mean, that's a that's a ton of work. I I admire your dedication to you know making sure everybody can get all perspectives here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. And it is it's a lot of work. It's been rewarding, um, but it's also exhausting, you know. And I I have to give myself time to step away from it because you know, like you said, it's just like. It, it even for me, someone who loves this stuff and is really interested in how the government works and politics, um, it can be soul sucking. So you gotta, you know, you definitely have to moderate it. Um, and I get some help. I have like some research interns and a couple editors and a social media person I pay. So there's a, a group of us, five or six people who kind of all contribute little pieces. But um, I'm definitely doing a bulk of that work on my own. And it's it's not easy. It's mm -hmm. definitely not easy. And the worst part of it, too, is like I see in some of the newsletters, like you'll get pushback and readers will like come back at you with something and you'll but you'll very graciously like admit and correct things, which I really appreciate. But it's just I'm sure you're getting stuff all day long from, from readers. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I will say, I mean, it's sort of like, it's the thing I love and hate the most about it. Yeah. I mean, my, my commitment had, from the start was that I'm going to share reader feedback anytime I get something that is like thought provoking for me or offers a different perspective. So sort of what you're saying, like at the top, typically I feature it. So it's like the top of every newsletter. If there's a correction, it's there. If there's a piece of reader feedback, it's there. Um, and a lot of people love that because they're just like, you know, it brings in perspectives that aren't my own and they respect the fact that I'm just willing to say like, I fucked up or like, here's a perspective I don't agree with, but I want to give it to you because it made me think. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is a lot, I, I would say, you know, if I put 10 hours of work into this thing a day, five of those hours are me writing emails back and forth with people who are like, 
you know, pissed off about something I wrote and we're fleshing out some arguments. So I have a lot of email threads, just like, you know, I sent today's newsletter at noon and I've probably got 45 emails already of just people criticizing something I wrote or a sentence I wrote or whatever. Mm. Um, which yeah, is, I mean, but it's fun. It's fun to, 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 you know, chum it up with people, strangers on the internet. And it's, certainly more productive than like a comment section on a Facebook post. You know, it's like, it's more intimate. It's one verse one. And it's like a nicer, a a simpler way to sort of communicate and and argue with somebody that typically isn't so angry. Usually hopeful. (laughs) Yeah. You, I mean, you do a lot better than I would. I would, I'd probably just respond. I'd be like, you're reading this for free. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, have what's what's like you have what's some of the the funniest or like worst criticisms criticism you've got that you never published like that could be i'm curious to hear some of the crazy stuff if you've got anything off the top of your head yeah i mean like (laughs) i get some really wild stuff uh i i think i think the craziest stuff i get is from people who have sort of gotten lost in some of the conspiracy theory stuff Mm. or um, like the QAnon stuff, I, I've heard from some people who are like pretty deep into that, uh, who are just kind of like, you know, I'll write something like Joe Biden's tax plan makes a lot of sense for like these middle class voters who make, you know, X amount of money. And they're like, oh, you're going to support some guy who like eats babies and, you know, is a child molester. And you're like, all right. Like, and at some point, you know, even even for me, it's like, there's some stuff where you're just like, you just have to let it go. It's like, I'm not going to waste my time. Sometimes like if I see an opening where I can like make a point, I'll try and address that. Um, and then, I, I mean, I think like, as is true with America, a lot of the hardest conversations to navigate is like anything that has to do with abortion. I hear like from a lot of pro life people and pro choice people who you know, will take issue with me publishing some argument on either side related to abortion or the Supreme Court or whatever. Um, and they'll just say, like, you know, if you're going to share this argument, I can't support your work. Like, I want to unsubscribe. And I'm just like, look, if you can't expose yourself to arguments you disagree with, then you should definitely unsubscribe. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's pretty much it. Um And so, like, that, those are definitely, like, those are up there. And then I get some, you know... I get some stuff from the far left too. I mean, a lot of the speech correctness stuff is, can be tough to follow. I mean, I've, um, I've had people write in and say, you know, that using like the term marijuana was racist because I wrote something about legalizing marijuana. And I guess there's, uh, there's sort of a growing movement to refer to it as cannabis because marijuana has like lots of connotations to Spanish speakers and Mexicans and stuff. And I'm like, look, like I'm, I am like deeply steeped in Mexican culture. I've, I lived in Mexico for summers growing up. I love Mexican culture. I have family who lives in Mexico. I'm like, uh, love speaking Spanish. It's like something I'm trying to learn. And like, you know, I have such a huge respect for this. Like you're accusing me of being racist or having some animosity towards Mexicans because I use the word marijuana, which is like a very common word. I don't know tell you like um, I'll, I'll try and use cannabis more if if that is you know it, it doesn't make a difference to me um and like so there's stuff like that that can be really hard to navigate 
uh, when people are just like, they're, I think their views are on the fringe of things and they want me to come out there with them. Yeah. And I'm trying to hold the center a little bit. So, you know, those off the top of my head, I'd say those are the kinds of feedback I get where I'm like, I just really don't know what to do with this. I struggle to figure out how to navigate it, you know? Yeah. Jeez. That, <laughs> that's so, that must be so annoying. Um, so, I mean, I assume that with the kind of stuff that you write, um, you're probably somebody that has a lot of people in your circle that come from different points of view. Um, that's one thing that I value a lot is having friends from all, you know, backgrounds and, and political, uh, uh, you know, sides of the political spectrum and stuff. Um, and I feel like that's, that's what has kept me more center and, and normal is, is basically experiencing other people's experiences through, through them and knowing, you know, get, getting to know them. Um, like how, what, what does your circle of friends look like? I'm curious. I'm curious. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, so I, I live in Brooklyn, New York now. Um, and obviously like this is a pretty liberal place. Uh, and you know, I would say like in my immediate friend group in, um, in Brooklyn, like I don't have any friends who are like big Trumpers, you know, I have some like business oriented guys who are pretty down the middle and maybe voted for him in 2016, but are like, they're totally off it now. Uh, cause they just feel like the last few years have been too crazy for them. Um, but you know, in Pennsylvania where I grew up, uh, I have a lot of close friends who are police officers, military guys, um, people who are just like, even, even just like regular kind of working class dudes who honestly, most of the time are, are people that, the the Trump supporters or the people who are really right are not people who are that interested in politics. They're more like they're casting a vote for the guy who's like, fuck the government. And, yeah. and that's their perspective. And, you know, uh, it's interesting because it's like, I think of all the arguments, that's one that resonates with me the most. Like <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm like, I'm sympathetic to that point of view. Like, the government sucks at a lot of things and is yeah. really bad at a lot of things. You know, I think, um, you know, I don't think Donald Trump's the answer. I have like plenty of gripes with him, but I, I certainly respect the urge to like burn it all down and blow it up because like, you know, you're paying a shit ton in taxes and you're not getting anything you want and your healthcare sucks and the schools suck and the roads suck. And so like, why is anything we've been doing working? Um, and, and that is something I'm like, you know, I think that is the, the group of friends that I have that brings the most like diversity of opinion to my circle where I grew up is like a lot of people like that. Um, and, you know, the military is pretty split on Trump. I have friends who are military, served in the Navy who are like, this guy's an idiot, you know, like he doesn't know the first thing about guns or battle or combat. He's a draft dodger, you know, whatever. And then there are guys who are like, He's unambiguously patriotic and pro-American and he's dumping money in the military and they love him for that. And so, you know, I think all that stuff is just more proof that like you can't box people into, no. you know, I have a, a gay black friend who's a Trump supporter. I have a, you know, a hardcore white upper middle class military guy who hates Trump. And it's like those people are out there. 
Um, but yeah, in my immediate circle now where I live now, it's, it's mostly liberal and I'm fine with that. You know, it's not like, I don't, I don't need to be constantly surrounded by political diversity, but going back to my old friends and friends I made in Western Pennsylvania at the university of Pittsburgh from college, there's much more ideological diversity outside of New York, obviously outside of New York city. Um, and it's never been an issue. It's like, you know, I think that you can separate what you want from the government in a lot on a, most issues from, you know, what kind of person somebody is. I think there are certain things, you know, that Trump's done um, and that other politicians have done too, that I find like so objectionable that it's hard for me to believe that they're like a good person. If you support, you know, banning all Muslims from America, like I'm, I can't really get down with that, <laughs> but uh, you know, like, I can understand wanting your taxes cut and I can understand, uh, you know, feeling like the police are being treated unfairly in the media or whatever, you know, I mean, those, those things like are arguments that I'm a lot more receptive to, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Now, is there, um, anything like, cause you, I mean, you've been doing this almost a year or over, is it over a year now or is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's now I started in July or August of last summer. So it's, yeah, now it's just about 13, 14 months. So is there anything that sticks out in the last year that, that might've like where your perspective changed or where you might have been like, like take Trump, for example, like there, is there anything like that maybe that you've, discovered where you're like, Oh, that was a good thing about his president presidency, or even it could even doesn't have to be Trump. It could be like Obama or that wasn't so good. Like, does that ever come up to where you've kind of in this process discovered things like that? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, my, my perspective on a lot of issues have moved from doing the newsletter actually, which has been like a really interesting experience for me. Um, mostly because like I'm by virtue of doing it, I'm exposing myself to a lot of different views and getting feedback from readers all over the country and the world who are offering different perspectives that I haven't heard before. Um, you know, I think for all the things about Trump that I don't like, I, I think like one of the fundamental things that I think he's done that's really good is, you know, he sort of, pulled the curtain back on how the whole, you know, how the sausage is made, uh, in in politics, um, which like he does through his own ham handed handling of situations (laughs) and hypocrisy and whatever. And like, and, and, but other times it's very intentional. I mean, I, uh, one of my favorite stories to tell people is, you know, I remember very vividly watching Trump at one of the first Republican debates in like 2015 and he said something or Jeb Bush said something and the audience started clapping and Trump looked at the camera and pointed to the audience. And he said, all those people you just heard clapping are donors. Every person in this room has a seat because they bought a ticket and they donated to Jeb Bush. And that's why they're clapping. That's why they're pretending they care and support him. And it was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> yes, nobody's ever said that before on a debate stage. And it was like, it was so direct. It was so, and it was, you know, he did it in this very Trumpian way. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember that feeling of like, that's different like that, you know, and 
then he just spouted off some total nonsense about some foreign policy thing he didn't understand. But it was like there was this moment like that. And I think he's done that repeatedly throughout his presidency. I mean, with Republicans like, you know, Mitt Romney or something who is someone I respect a lot. But, you know, Trump will be like he was here begging me for an endorsement two weeks ago. And now he's criticizing me, slamming me to the media. And it's like he's pulling pulling the curtain back a little bit on how the dirty politics are played. Um, And he's playing them too, of course, but I, I I very much appreciate that. And I think a lot of readers and a lot of my writing and doing research on this has made me understand like just the power of sort of, you know, having someone who's so far outside the mainstream and the establishment sort of dropped into this position. Uh, And that's, that's definitely been a perspective of mine that's changed. Yeah, I get that too. I mean, um, he's never been, (laughs) never been my guy, but I've, that's, those are things like, like you said, everyone now and then there's these kind of moments where you're like, oh crap, that's, you know, he's really exposing something here. Or that was a, this is a really, you know, peeling back the curtain. And then like immediately after (laughs) within seconds, it's all ruined. It happens all the time. Um, yeah. Well, what about, uh, so this is a great, this, obviously this newsletter is a great format. Um, I'd love to be able to listen to it as a podcast. Is that coming anytime soon or? Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) uh, this is something I, I, definitely i get a ton of requests uh ton of requests for if i had a voice like yours man i would be doing it not stop i'll tell you that much i'm not an audio guy uh but i i think my first step into it is going to be um reading the newsletter that's going to be the first thing i do so what i'd really like to do is you open the newsletter and you can just like press play and you'll can listen to it instead of having to read through it. A lot of people have requested that. Um, and that's something I want to do. Uh, right now I'm, I'm doing all this work. I just told you about alongside a full-time job. So, um, yeah, basically when the newsletter hits a point where I can go at it totally independent and full-time, um, which I hope comes in the next six months or a year, I'll do that and I'll try and get the podcast off the ground too. Um, and that, that I think will be readings of the newsletter with just like some more spice and then trying to land like one interview a week with somebody in the political world, um, just to chop it up on whatever, you know, the big issues are. Cause for me, like this kind of stuff, talking about it is super fun. And I also, you know, I'm a reporter, so by trade. And so interviewing people is like, that's my strength. Like I'm very good at, um, parsing out stuff and, you know, like watching the debate last night, I was like, God, I would just kill to be the moderator of this debate and have a chance to just like hold them to a question and force them to actually answer something because, um, you know, there, I think there are methods to, to sussing that out and to getting people to really respond to stuff. And, um, there's not enough of it right now. I mean, yeah. too many politicians just get away with, you know, answering the questions they want to hear. Um, so yes, the, sh- the short answer is yes. I'm hoping to do it. Uh, I just need like another hour in the day, which I don't currently have, but, yeah. uh, hopefully soon. Well, I'll definitely be a subscriber right when it comes out. Um, we need more journalists like you, Isaac. Um, if people want to find you or the newsletter, where do they go? 
Yeah. So the, the best thing to do is tangle.substack.com. Uh, you can just go subscribe. If you go there, it'll take you right to my homepage. Um, if you want to see like the worst version of myself, I'm on Twitter too, which is Ike underscore Saul, I K E underscore S A U L. And that's sort of where I, you know, get pissed off and let out my most unfiltered thoughts. But, uh, I like to, like to think Tangle in the newsletter is like the best version of myself. Um, so I certainly prefer people go there and yeah, subscribe, uh, reply to a newsletter. Tell me you, you heard about it on Jordan's podcast and we can shop it up over email. And that's, that's sort of my favorite medium. Sweet. Thanks, man. Thanks again for doing this. And we'll have to have you back on as things unfold. Cause I'll be, I'll love to hear your perspective on things are just going to get worse. Yeah, <laughs> are just no, going to get no. worse. Right. The next few weeks are going to be nuts, so we, we should definitely circle back up. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Gents, it's fall, and you know what that means? You guessed it, pumpkin everything. Now, before you go and start calling me basic, let me tell you about Phoenix Shaving's new fragrance line called Atomic Pumpkin. Now, this isn't your run-of-the-mill seasonal pumpkin pie offering that everybody's doing. This is something a little more sophisticated and alluring. This aftershave and soap line stays within the classic bay rum tradition, but adds a false spin. Because Atomic Pumpkin Bay Rum is steeped in classic pumpkin pie spices for up to six weeks before the batch is complete. It's like some, it's like a, like almost like a crazy whiskey or cigar or anything that's aged. I'm running out of, I don't, what else is aged? Uh, only whiskey and cigars, wine, I guess. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know. The point is, I mean, look at these ingredients. There's West Indian Bay, Moro Blood Orange, Allspice, Cinnamon, Ginger, Nutmeg, and Elemi Resin. I don't know what that is, but it sounds festive. This is some fall masculine magic done right, guys. So if you're wanting to step up your grooming game this fall, maybe impress the lady in your life, make a great impression at work or school, then check out this limited edition line by Phoenix Shaving. Just go to gentlemanscofflaw.com shave, and a portion of anything you buy with that link goes to help support this podcast. So you get to kill two birds with one stone. You support the show you love, and you get to fight off ladies with a stick because you smell so damn good. Is that sexist? I don't know. Maybe. But that's why I'm a scofflaw and a gentleman. All right, so that's gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave, and stop being a slave to the drugstore shave. All right. Um, love talking to Isaac. Um I was introduced to him by a good friend of ours who we, uh, go ruck. We did back in, uh, uh, 2018, July 2018. Andrew Hostler. Um, don't know if he's listening out there, but he's the one who hooked me up with Isaac and tangle news. Um, so thank you for that. Also, um, this month's giveaway, we're giving away a free CAD aftershave from Phoenix Shaving, um, which you know, uh, if you're, you're a fan of the old Pinot Club Man or some of the old barbershop uh, aftershaves, you know, so maybe some of that dust they put on your neck after they give you a oh, haircut. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That, that uh, just, uh, yeah, on a hot day, just go in there, <laughs> give me a shave and, yeah. and just, yep. 
hit me with that talcum powder. Exactly. Well, that's what this stuff is kind of re- reminiscent of. Uh, you don't want to miss out on it. Uh, again, link in the show notes to our Instagram where you can find out how you can uh, win one of those. If you want to buy one of those or any of the fetus Phoenix shaving, uh, <laughs> Phoenix. The fetus. The yeah, fetus shaving. Yeah. Oh, hey, man, Chuck Norris grew yeah. a beard right after he got out of the womb. It's so, true. you know, yeah. they need it. Those exactly. babies exactly. They need that shaving gear. Yeah, you just go to uh, gentlemanscoughlaw.com slash shave and get, get some of your gear. Um, is that all the plugs? Is there anything else we need to plug, Donovan? Plugs. I know that next week we're having Tim Swanson of Cigars Daily on. And the week after that for Halloween, we're going to have Lisa Morton um, she's somewhat of a Halloween historian uh, and a screenwriter. Writer um, has a background of working in uh, in uh, modeling and effects for sci-fi movies and stuff. Uh, Going to be a very interesting uh, guest. We'll talk a lot about. She's got a new book about seances, about the history of seances in the United wow. States. So that'll be kind of fun. Uh, hint, it's, uh, it's not what you think. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's uh, what, what, who was into seances. It was uh, the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan Doyle. He, yeah. he got really into that stuff, spiritualism. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to hear about. Yeah, does she now? Here's a question: Does she live in Burbank? I don't know if she does. I don't I, think so. I feel like Burbank is like um, the the unofficial name of Burbank is Halloween Town because I feel like there's so many. Co- I mean, it's it goes. That's the name of a store in Halloween in Burbank is Halloween Town. Is that what you're thinking of? Oh, I was thinking of a Disney movie, but (laughs) uh, the Disney no, actually, I'm not going to even say the Disney movie because it does. You can't call it a Disney movie. It's a Disney Channel movie. Okay, Um, and there was a sequel, Halloween Town Two: Calabar's Revenge. If you remember it, comment, and we don't care. But um, (laughs) yeah, basically, in uh, in Burbank, there's a lot of costume shops. I just remember I was working in Burbank at a time on. I uh, was it it was like airport boulevard or whatever I don't magnolia know. are you thinking of magnolia uh, yeah magnolia yeah, yeah that's it and uh i walked down the street and like every other shop that i was walking into was like a halloween themed shop and i figured out and it was you know probably like june and i remember realizing oh it's because they're costume shops yeah and they needed them for the film industry so they decided to sort of some of them just embraced it and just yeah. went Halloween all year round. And that uh, that Halloween town in uh, Burbank, I actually ran into uh, Derek Waters, the uh, comedy oh, yeah. writer and uh, you know Drunk the History. creator of Drunk History, um, which was kind of cool. I don't know what he was shopping for, but uh, that was one of my first like L.A. sightings I where I was like starstruck, and probably nobody there knew who he was. But being as a comedy <laughs> yeah. nerd, yeah, I was, I was like, say, oh man, unless, Derek Waters. Unless you're into the alt comedy scene, you're yeah. not gonna like. Some of these people, it's like you're you're not gonna know, but that's you know what that's what makes it all the more special is that you know it's in your 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 you're special. Definitely, I am special. They're special, and you're special. My teachers always told me that growing up. Um, I also got extended time the on all of my math exams. Me. Donovan, <laughs> you are a gentleman <laughs> in the scofflaw, my friend. <laughs> and uh, as are you. Thank you. You guys have a great week. <laughs> It was like an ASMR ending. Yeah. You you guys. You guys have a great week. This has been the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram 
Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ass on the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Hey!